Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. One of the things we're going to talk about tonight is the distraction of the temporal life, the contrast between what God has created in us, who he's created us to be, and what the world wants us to believe about ourselves, and how subtly and how easily we can be led, even in faith, Christian faith and religion, to believe and embrace a lie concerning who we are, and why we're here. How quickly the passion, and passion's going to be a key word tonight, the passion and the desire that we were awakened with as newborns, craving the nurture of our Creator, fades, and why. Today we will continue in chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians. And as I've, as I've said almost every week, this is Paul writing to a fellowship in Corinth that had become carnal and infected with false teachers. And these false teachers are seeking to discredit Paul in every way possible in order to steal and usurp his authority within that fellowship, begin to take authority over the believers there. And what we see in these writings is that corruption began with a progressive carnality, a slow but deadly infiltration of worldliness in the hearts of the people. It did not begin with false teachers. Now, we like to embrace that because we'd like it to be somebody else's fault that we get drawn into carnality. But the reality is we have nobody to blame but ourselves. See... The truth of it is that had these people set their minds upon the truth and walked in the communion of the Spirit, those false teachers would never have had any ground with them whatsoever. They wouldn't be able to approach them because these people would have said, our desire is Jesus. That's what we're about. That's the truth of our life. Show me him. I don't care about your credentials. I don't care about your profession and your, your uh, piety. All I care about is that life. And if I'm looking at you, I want to see that life. How far do you think a false teacher would get with that? No, the enemy only gains the ground that the children of God abandon or surrender. Do you understand that? The enemy only gains the ground that the children of God abandon or surrender. This subtle disease of carnality began to creep in, and it crept in on something very, very hard to recognize. Familiarity. Familiarity. They were well acquainted with the work of the Spirit. Paul wrote this about them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, I thank my God at all times for you because of the grace, the favor, and spiritual blessing of God which was bestowed on you in Christ Jesus. So that in him, in every respect, you were enriched in full power and readiness of speech to speak of your faith and 
and complete knowledge and illumination to give you full insight into its meaning. Wow. This is Paul talking about the Corinthians. See, do you believe these people had knowledge? Do you believe that their carnality stemmed from their inability to remember all that Paul had taught them in that almost two years he discipled them? Do you believe that? Because they were unable to retain all of the stuff that he taught them? Is that where that carnality came from? No. Here's the truth of carnality. I answered it for you because I was afraid somebody would get it wrong. Listen, the truth of carnality is that it begins with knowing God according to the flesh. It begins not with ignorance, but with familiarity. It begins with pride. Believing that because I now have a comprehension of the truth and an understanding of the context of my relationship with God, I can settle into a passive, distracted relationship. Worship becomes routine. Prayer becomes redundant. Priorities become more about the temporal than the eternal. Our interaction with God is, is driven by externals rather than by an internal passion. I've been there. Have you? We're going to be honest. We have to say we've all been there. That leaves us with knowing God according to the flesh. And you've heard me speak about this many times. Knowing God this way is like a married couple. that The way a lot of married couples know each other these days. Defining their relationship by the flesh. When I feel love, I will embrace love as a reality. When I feel accepted, I will accept acceptance as a reality. When my externals prove my relationship, then my relationship is real to me. My mind, the knowledge that I have, my Christian-oriented behavior or the act of my will, and what I'm primarily concerned with in my relationship is how I feel about God. Mind, will, and emotions. This is not spiritual. It is soulish. And that same, those same principles can be applied to any religion. Any religion. The Buddhist can apply these principles and call himself faithful. Is that what God wants? It is carnality, and it will leave you open for deception. Now, I've known the Lord for many years, but I cannot say that my relationship with him has always been intimate from my perspective. I have often been distracted and in pride and arrogance believed that I had a relationship with the Lord all figured out. And I was, now that I've had, had my relationship with him all figured out, I was able to turn my focus to other pursuits, my emphasis to other pursuits. I no longer passionately pursued my relationship with the Lord. I was no longer in a hurry for interaction with him. Now, I bring this up because this is what Paul is dealing with in that fellowship. They had a blessed and intimate knowledge in their relationship with the Lord. They had been blessed by the manifestation of the Spirit's power and blessing. They had grown to a spiritual maturity that even Paul was impressed with. But where are they now? They had really lost nothing in terms of their relationship with the Lord. They had lost nothing in terms of their relationship with God. They had abandoned the truth of it. God was just no longer their first love. 
He was no longer the passion of their lives, the priority of each moment. They had slowly become man-centered in their relationship with him. They had become carnal. Obviously, they were still worshiping, right? Obviously, they were still involved in seeking to understand the scriptures. They were still meeting, teaching, and preaching. They were still looking to know. They were listening to the false teachers, and now they were trying to vet Paul. It kind of reminds me of a church that uh, Christ wrote about in, in Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Christ is writing, and he speaks to this church, and he says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my sake, my name's sake, and you have not fainted, fainted or become exhausted or grown worry, weary. But I have this one charge to make against you, You have left, abandoned the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. Remember then from what heights you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did previously when you first knew the Lord. Or else I will visit you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you change your mind and repent. Now, What I want you to see about this, they're obviously operating under something different here. But the church that Christ is writing to in this verse was over 40 years old and was faithful to the teaching of the scripture. They had been faithful in the midst of persecution like we've never known. But their passion for the Lord had grown cold. They were no longer seeking the Lord with their hearts, but they were knowing God according to the flesh. You see, passion is not an emotion. I know a lot of us think that's the truth of it, but it is a heart hunger. Now, hear me out. Passion is a heart hunger that is natural, and that is natural for the new creation. That includes everyone who's saved. It is a natural thing for the heart of the new creation. In fact, it shows healthy. A healthy new creation heart is hungry for the Lord. Passionate for the Lord. I'm not saying that he doesn't recognize his union with the Lord. I'm saying that his passion is the Lord. This is what they were lacking. And you know what? There are times when I would think, I think, Lord, I don't feel passionate about you. And the question for me is, do I want to be with him? Do I want to know him? Do I want to see him in my day? Do I want to be around the things of God and the people of God? Am I still wanting to walk in communion with him? If all of those things are true, then passion is still the truth of my heart, and I am allowing it to be the truth of my soul. But to know God according to the flesh is to disregard the heart and try to live to God through the soul. And the soul is constantly distracted. The emotions that it it will define everything in terms of the flesh. Oh, I don't feel about God the way I used to. We sound like most divorcees. Well, I, I, you know, I just don't like going to church anymore. Well, you sound like a lot of people that have walked away from relationships. Well, I, you know, the Scripture just does nothing for me. You don't know what the Scripture does for you. It is, it is spiritually digested. 
and spiritually ascertained. How could you possibly know it through the soul? You didn't even know that you needed a God until the Spirit of God showed you. Don't talk to me about what you don't feel. Don't talk to me about what you don't understand. Don't talk to me about what you think it ought to be. You're a sheep. And the reason God has created you in this relationship with this vacuum is so that you will be passionate to pursue Him and allow Him to be the governor of your love for Him. Allow Him to be the appetite that you have for His Word. Allow Him to be the the teacher. Allow Him to be life. Passion is not an emotion. It's a heart hunger that we as new creations all have. We don't create it in the soul. I've tried can't do it. But we can sure dull it there. We can drown it out. Paul in the, these letters in uh, in these letters to the Corinthians is calling the Corinthians back to their first love. He knows that in order for them to have embraced the lies and deceptions of false teachers, they have had to grow cold in their passion for Christ. When we allow our souls to be flooded with his spirit which he commands in Ephesians 5, The hunger returns. I've seen it in my own life over and over again. When I abandon the garbage in my mind, will, and emotion and embrace Him as my life at the center of who I am, and I tell Him, Lord, flood my soul with Your truth. I need balance there. Because what my soul is telling me is that the way I feel is the reality of my life. My circumstances are the reality of my life. My ability to will or not to will is the fate of my life. That's what my soul is crying out to me. And I cry out to the center of my being, that eternal place where God is both sovereign and in each moment. And I cry out, say, Father, bring balance to my soul. And he comes to my soul like Jesus entered the temple. And he clears out the tables that are selling the truth, selling the lie for truth. I don't have to live there anymore. I can be filled to overflowing, constantly filled. And you know why he says constantly? Because that bad boy needs to be cleaned constantly. If you're awake and breathing, you're receiving. Now, where are you receiving from? Because Christians live from the inside out. That's the difference of a new creation, not from the outside in. We return to the passion when we are filled with the Spirit. And here's the thing about that passion. It confronts us. It literally confronts us. Nothing will satisfy but the intimate communion with our God. We determine to live in the reality of His intimate relationship by a determined faith that says, My love for Him is the passion of my life. It is the priority of my living. It holds me. It sustains me. It is the truth of my existence. This is the repentance that Christ is looking for in the church. It's not about soul winning. It's not about building. It's not about any of those things. He is saying, return to your first love. Live out of the truth that I put in you as life. Why am I saying this? 
Well, Paul's about to take you down this road where he is going to be comparing the contrast between what is assaulting his person and his soul and the strength that he has within and how he answers each assault. And you're going to get a real picture of Paul living from the inside out here. But I'm going to tell you something. We sit in a very comfortable society for Christians, at least to a great degree. The things that assaulted Paul have not yet assaulted us, but Paul was not diminished in that, in that constant conflict. Paul, where he gained, he gained strength and momentum in it. And let me say that in this place, in this time that God has placed you, if you cannot deal and draw from the strength of your center against the assaults of distraction, of media, of busyness, of all of these other things that are pulling your attention away from truth. If you cannot walk in the truth with that minimum amount of, of assault to your soul, you don't know how to live yet. Are you forsaken it? I'm telling you this. Because that's your father's heart for you. Not because I think y'all are a bunch of carnal backsliders. Okay? Because if I was going to say that, I'd have to get in line with you. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says that it is the love of Christ that compels us. Remember that in verse 14 of chapter 5? The love of Christ compels us. What's he talking about? He's talking about his passion there. It is the motivation, it is the drive behind Paul's life, it is the passion of Paul's ministry. Because of the finished work of Christ, we no longer have to live to ourselves. That's verse 15, remember that? Because of the finished work of Christ, we no longer have to live to ourselves. So here we have the two principal points in Paul's writing, right? It is the love of Christ that is both the motivation and the strength of our ministry. It is the ministry that you've been born into. You are a new creation. You have been made to live in righteousness. You were made for the ministry of reconciliation. Recognize what God has done in you and embrace the ministry of reconciliation. Return to your first love. That's what he's telling him. So... Last week, as I mentioned, we left off in chapter 6. I think we, were, we finished at verse 2. And today we're going to look at verses 3 through 10. And I'm going to begin to read from verse 1 of chapter 6 so that we can keep the flow of thought. It says, Laboring together as God's fellow workers, with him, with him then we beg of you not to receive the grace of God in vain. That merciful kindness by which God exerts his holy influence on souls and turns them to Christ. Keeping them and strengthening them. Do not receive it to no no purpose. Verse 2. For he says, in the time of favor of assured welcome, I have listened to and heeded your call. And I have helped you on the day of deliverance, the day of salvation. Behold, now is truly the time for a gracious welcome and acceptance of you from God. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put, verse 3, we put no obstruction in anybody's way. We give no offense in anything, so that no fault may be found and our ministry blamed and discredited. So to do a quick recap, verse 1, Paul begins by reminding them that they are also one in the body of Christ. 
They are all one in the body of Christ. That we function in union with him, with Christ's life as our source. And then he reproves them. He reproves them by saying, don't waste grace. Don't waste grace. Grace attends you so that you may live in this life by faith and in intimate union with him. Grace attends you so that your life as a branch may continually bear fruit and the ministry of Christ to those around you. That's why grace attends you. There's purpose in it. Then in verse 2, Paul utilizes a quote from Isaiah to, to impress upon them the need to return to their first love and the passion of Christ now. That's what that's about. Do it now. Now, no longer live to yourselves. There's a sense of urgency. In other words, he's saying, don't be, you've got to realize that you're on the planet for a purpose and it wasn't just to receive Christ. Otherwise, he would have taken you straight to heaven right after you did, right? There's got to be some purpose. Do you ever get up in the morning and wonder what, what you're doing here? Sometimes I do. Sometimes in traffic, I wonder. But here's the reality of it. You were put on the earth for a purpose. And if you, if you waste grace, you don't live abandoned to that purpose. You're like many, what I've heard from many parents. We saved, we sacrificed, we put money away. And we finally worked up enough money to send our kids to college. And they went up there and did nothing but live to, for themselves. They wasted it. The wasted opportunity. There's a purpose for your being here. It is to know him. And Paul is saying, people don't waste the grace afforded you. Because grace is what's holding you together. Grace is what attends every step along the way. Grace is your health. Grace is your strength. Grace is your ministry. Grace surrounds you. And it attends everything that you do. And it has a purpose. Paul writes, don't waste it. We have here, we are here on this planet to grow and know Him by faith through living according to the Spirit. We are here for a specific time, and then we leave. Don't waste the grace that allows you to know him moment by moment now. Do you ever think that, that, that God has a specific purpose for your life and sojourn on this earth, and, and that purpose is going to be met in you within a specific amount of time or not? It might be met in eternity. I don't know. I don't know God's total purpose plan for you. But he has something he wants to affect in you during this time. And there's acquaintance, an acquaintance with him that he wants you to know in this time. And guess what? None of you know when your shelf life is. And I'm not preaching for evangelism, so I'm not going to tell you you may die on the way out of here. But I'm telling you that you don't know, and I don't know. But here's what I do have. If you have that passion within you, when you get to the place where you're surrendered to the Spirit of God in the soul, one of the first things that occurs to you is the time that has gone by and you turn back and you say, Father, I want to walk every step with you. I want to hear every word that you have to say to me. I want to be yielded to you. I want to be a part of whatever you're doing. There's all of this, and this, this 
desire within us that is often misinterpreted for Him. It's not Him trying to motivate you for works. It's Him trying to draw you unto Himself in an intimate way. Because He didn't need you for works. Y'all realize that? So Paul's speaking of a, a sense of urgency. Know Him now. In verse 3, oh, well, he says it's not time. Basically, he's telling him it's not time for lethargy. It's not time for distraction. It's not time to live for yourself. It's time to live for him. That's what you're created for. Verse 3, we put no obstruction in anybody's way. We give no offense in anything so that no fault may be found and our ministry blamed and discredited. Paul writes, you cannot say that my life or ministry have hindered you in the pursuit of truth. You cannot dismiss the truth because it confronts you. Now, we all know, we've done it ourselves, people look for excuses to reject or separate themselves. They look for reasons. They've decided to reject you, and some people will reject you just so that you can't reject them. They begin to look for an excuse or a reason to set you aside. Well, do you think their response to God is any different when operating in the flesh? Because when we operate outside of the truth within us, we begin to believe that our relationship with God is performance-based acceptance. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.